Welcome to Corwin's Leaders Coaching Leaders Podcast with host Peter DeWitt. This podcast is from education leaders for education leaders. Every week, Peter and our guests get together to share ideas, put research into practice, and ensure every student is learning, not by chance, but by design. Hi, Tanya. Good to see you. Hey, Peter. Good to see you too. Boy, this is, uh, you know, I do enjoy the podcast and I feel like I see this every time that we're going to introduce a podcast about how excited I am about the conversation, but I'm an education geek and I really like talking about education and just having the opportunity to talk to Nancy Fry and Kathy Lasseter is, is really great because not only do they bring in a very heavy research background, but they also bring in, you know, Kathy's a former school leader. So you have the leadership background and just a lot of experience between the two. And this conversation about credibility to me is is just such a very important one. Yeah, they really um, embody the idea of uh, research to practice. Yeah. And so what listeners are, I think, really going to love is how they distill this really heavy topic into four, I guess, plus one categories of what really creates and, and makes leader credibility. So, you know, let's just turn it over to the listeners as soon as as we can, because I think they're going to be excited to walk away with this and learn quite a bit. Exactly. Okay. Happy listening. Welcome to uh, Leaders Coaching Leaders podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Peter, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to see both of you. So I'm very excited to talk about this topic because... You know, as we've been going through season three, this is season three of the podcast. um, One of the things that actually has come up quite a bit is that of leadership credibility. So it's really interesting to have that and then be able to talk to talk to the two of you. So one of the other things we're trying to do on the podcast is to really begin by just developing a common language and a common understanding, because we know we use a lot of words in schools but we don't have a common understanding always of what those words are. I would say credibility would be one of those. So Nancy, can I, can I start with you when it comes to credibility? What does that, what does credibility mean when it, when it, when we're thinking about leaders? Credibility actually has a really long research base behind it, even though we, as um, uh, in our everyday speech, often use credibility to mean a number of different things. According to the research, it actually stems from four very distinct uh, and detailed perceptions of the learner. So I, I guess that's the first part. We don't get to decide that we are credible. These are all about perceptions of our learners. And so the idea of teacher credibility in particular has been really well researched. And there are four dimensions to that teacher credibility that come from that. The first is trustworthiness. Can I trust this person to be able to have my best interest at heart, to be honest, reliable, and so on? The second dimension of that is, do I believe that this person is competent 
to be able to teach what it is that they are teaching. I think all of us have had experiences where we enjoyed someone's company, but we didn't necessarily believe that they possessed the knowledge base for a particular skill or concept. The third aspect of that is dynamism. That's the passion, the interest that you bring to what it is that you do. Does this person seem enthusiastic about what it is that they are doing? And the fourth dimension to that is immediacy. Do I see this person as being responsive to my needs, to the needs of others? And it often boils down to many nonverbal kinds of signs of immediacy, including things like um, eye contact and proximity and so on. So in, in short, what we're talking about when we talk about credibility has 40 years of research that are behind it, and it's trustworthy, competence, it is dynamism, and immediacy. Wow. Thank you for that. That's, uh, that is actually probably the most clear, um, when I ask for common language and common understanding, that's probably the most clear anybody has ever been. So, so I appreciate that. Kathy, you know, you have a, a lot of experience as a school leader, and yes, you're a consultant, but you're, you're a, you know, you're an award-winning school leader as well. And when I think about these, these ideas of the, you know, the four detailed, which, which Nancy just talked about, how does that translate for leadership practices? Like, not just what they should be looking for when it comes to teachers, but also about what they should be looking for within themselves too. Yeah, so um, one of the things that separates credibility from leaders from teachers is leaders who are forward thinking. And so in addition to those four qualities that Nancy gave you and, and articulated so clearly, as you noted, is that that idea of being forward thinking in Kusis and Posner's research, which many leaders are very familiar with, um, said that really what separates in the eyes of the workforce, what I admire in a colleague and what I admire in a leader is that they expect leaders to be forward thinking. And they don't really list that as an admired trait in a colleague, but it comes up with 72%, uh, you know, Kusis and Posner's research has tens of thousands um, of respondents and that idea of being forward thinking. So your question was, um, what does that look like? for a principal and a leader in a school. So we have to have the, the qualities on display that Nancy just listed, mm -hmm. right? The dynamism, the competence, the trustworthiness, the relatedness, but we also have to always be um, communicating to our people where we're going, why we're going there. What do we hope to accomplish by getting there? How um, will you participate in this future for our organization and our school? So you can't do that without being trustworthy, without being a dynamic you know, person. And that doesn't mean like you know, an entertainer. It means being passionate and really connected to the work. You can't do that without competence because you've got to know your craft and know how to lead change and know how to lead people and know how to support people. Um, and certainly people have to be able to come and talk about their hopes, their dreams, but their concerns, their challenges. And so I think it's that, that forward looking piece that we're trying to get to by demonstrating the four qualities that Nancy just talked about. 
Yeah, and you know, it reminds me a little bit of Stone and Heen's work when, you know, thanks for the feedback from 2014, where uh, one of the probably most impactful things that I had read in that book was the whole idea of the relationship trigger. And it's not that, um, you know, your, your feed, when you're receiving feedback and that relationship trigger goes off, it's not that you don't believe it or you find it to be unhelpful. It's like you don't um, believe in the credibility of the person who's actually giving you the feedback. So we know that this is huge when we talk about learning walks and walkthroughs and observations and everything else. So that's it's really interesting. I wanna ask you, Nancy, one of the questions that I get a lot is it's like the space around the word support mm. because I find that that's another word that like we have the common word, but we don't have a common understanding because, and even the Ed Week Research Center has done some work around this, like 86% of principals completely support teachers when they're trying to be innovative, but 46% of teachers completely agree their principal try, supports them when they're trying to be innovative. So where, where does support play into all of this when it comes to building that credibility? Because I hear a lot of teachers saying, I don't feel like my school leader supports me, and I feel like there's a lot of research that says, you know, an important aspect for school leadership is to actually support their teachers and leaders feel like they're doing that, but I feel like there's this gap. So where does credibility play into that? Is that a good question? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, first and foremost, the idea of trustworthiness really kind of permeates the other dimensions uh, around uh, credibility. But what you're speaking to, Peter, I think in particular, is that notion of competence, that the support when it comes to how it is that a school leader supports a teacher, supports a staff member um, in being able to think innovatively, really comes down to competence. And again, if you tease apart the, the uh, research on competence and perceptions of competence of leaders, it, it breaks down into kind of two specific areas. One is around communication competence. Is this person able to communicate in ways that I understand, that I can see in order to be able to deliver that kind of support. Here's where feedback really plays into all of that. You know, sometimes we have well-intended feedback that doesn't land. It doesn't land at all, right? So that oral um, uh, communication skills in particular is a really important part of that support. Some interesting research that came out around uh, what it is that principals do in particular when it comes to that. And the, their findings were that 70% of the principal's time was dedicated to oral communication competence of one kind or another. You know, we talk about how important it is that we're able to, uh, to be able to walk the talk, but we also have to be able to talk the walk, in mm -hmm. other words, to explain it. And the other dimension of that is skill competence. Um, again, do I believe that this person's support and feedback and so on uh, is coming from a source 
that I believe to be credible. And uh, principles, I think secondary principles especially, are kind of challenged at times with this idea of skill competence because they may narrowly think about skill competence as being something that is related to the teacher's content. And, oh, I don't teach that content. I'm an English teacher by training. I don't know how to support a math teacher, for instance. And that skill competence, especially when it comes to principles, is how it is that you know how to be able to create resources, how it is that you are sensitive to what that teacher needs, how it is that you're sensitive in being able to mobilize what those supports are needed for that teacher. So this idea of competence, especially communication competence and skill competence is vital in being able to support and support well. Yeah, and I, you know, that's an excellent point because I feel like credibility can also be built because when you're specific, specifically when you're talking about secondary, is that I'm not going to understand all of the content, but if I if I have that pre-observation conversation with the teacher to be able to say what is your success criteria, what is you know what what is some vocabulary that you're hoping the students are going to be able to say to me when I'm sitting down talking with them about their learning and not. Like I hate the whole notion of fake it till you make it. And I know that you both don't like that either. So um, I appreciate that very much. Kathy, one of the things that you said was the whole idea of being forward thinking. And, and one of the things we hear about quite a bit is that idea of buy-in. And I think sometimes when people hear that they're forward thinking, especially school leaders, it's this pressure that I'm supposed to be the all-knowing. I'm supposed to be the one that has all the ideas. And I know that that's not at all what you meant when you said forward thinking and going with me and all that stuff because you do a great deal of work on collaboration. So what is it what does it look like for school leaders to intentionally build that credibility with their teams? Because it's not about going it alone and having people follow. It's about you know people with you. So how do leaders intentionally build that credibility with their teams to be able to do that forward thinking work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um Really interesting research on this as well. You know, Nancy and I are just coming off with Doug Reeves and Dominic Smith doing a lot of research on this topic. So we have it all on the top of our heads. (laughs) And I got you at a good time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it is um, being forward thinking by being grounded in the present. And Mm -hmm. so what what the researchers talk about is really principles. and, And as you said, I'm in schools every day almost. Um, with principles, but principles setting aside dedicated time to be learners, because you can't be forward thinking if you don't know about current trends, current practices, current challenges, um, policies and regs and all of those things that are coming at principles that they typically don't set aside time to do because they're putting out fires all day long. In fact, the research said that um, executives, business executives only set aside 3% of their time to, to engage in this kind of work. And my guess would be, because my opinion is school principals are busier <laughs> than any, any other people. So they probably have less than 3%, but that it's super important to set aside dedicated time for my professional reading, for listening to podcasts or attending webinars for reading professional journals, for participation in my professional organizations, so that I can really be grounded in what's current in the field. And then, 
as you said, to not be the all-knowing visionary because that's impossible, to share what I'm learning with my leadership team and with my staff, and then more importantly, to model what that should look like for them. So if we have leadership team meetings, ultimately what we're recommending is that part of those agendas be dedicated to learning something new. And it's not just the principal bringing that new learning to the table. It's, you know, everybody taking a turn, everybody getting excited about something that they've read, and then talking together about the relevancy for us. What does that mean for us as a school? What does it mean for where we want to go? What do we want to be known for in our community? What kind of experience do we want our students to have? at our school and how can we leverage this new information and new ideas and research to help us plot a forward thinking um, journey so that we can be on the cutting edge. That's great. Now, Nancy, I know that, um, is this where what Kathy just said, I know that you, Kathy, Dominique and Doug Fisher are writing this book together. Now, is this where self-efficacy kind of comes into play too? Because we know Bandura's research around leadership self-efficacy is that if you lack self-efficacy in an area, you're going to slacken your efforts. And if you have self-efficacy in an issue, you're going to double your efforts. So is the work you're trying to do, Nancy, through this book too, is to help leaders understand, you know what, it's okay if you're not efficacious where this is concerned. That's why having a team is so important because you're supposed to be learning together. I'm guessing I'm asking you a question that we know the answer to, but is is that also what you're focusing on with this book that you're doing with everybody? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the idea of uh, feeling efficacious as a leader uh, is uh, can be especially difficult. Uh, among the issues that uh, we discuss in the book include things like having leaders, new leaders especially, who find themselves in positions that they're unaccustomed to. So for example, when we talk about leaders, we talk about people who are leaders of teams, of units, as well as of schools. And we talk in particular about what are some of the challenges when you are internally promoted, that you're moving from one position to another position within a particular school. There are some distinct challenges that are involved with that, including the perceptions of others. We talk about, uh, as another uh, example of that, when you're a new principal, when you're new to a site, when you're um, succeeding, succeeding rather, uh, principal, especially that beloved principal that everybody just adored, how do you build trust among a new staff when you're the new person who's coming in. So those ideas of how it is that you're building your own efficacy, not only for yourself, but also building a perception of who it is that you are, are vitally important for those new leaders, especially. And you're exactly right. You have to have a network. You have to take advantage of that network around you, whether that network is right there at the school level or that network is across the district. You just mentioned, Nancy, you gave me a little bit of a chill because you just mentioned my exact situation when I became a principal. I took over for a beloved principal. I was lucky interview in front of the panel of 17 that most of the teachers were on the panel and they wanted me to be there, but it is, it's very intimidating to take over for a very good act. Um, 
Kathy, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about the the credibility thing because I just think there's so many ways we can go with this discussion. I when it, do you work with? Let me ask you a different way. What do you do with teachers that say that their principal feels like they have this instant credibility when they really don't? Because I think somehow credibility and status sort of intersect every once in a while, and that can be very deadly for a school leader, but what do you do in that kind of situation in the work that you're doing? And, and as, of course, with the book, what do you do when you've got teachers that are saying, my, my principal thinks they're credible, but they're not? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we, in the book, talk about this idea of real reflection mm -hmm. that is relevant, it's timely, but most importantly, it's learning focused. Right. And so I recommend to principals that you develop, um, you know, I always call it a tough skin. You have to have a tough skin as a principal to be a learner about your own work, learning about your leadership, learning on how people perceive you, seeking the feedback that, and there's many different ways to seek feedback. Yes, you could do surveys and that kind of thing, but getting a mentor or a retired principal to come in and sit and work with you, a consultant like I do with people, because you can see in the interactions between principals and staff, kind of what the tone and tenor is. And if the teachers are um, responding to the principal as if he or she is credible and how they are responding as, you know, if they don't find that person credible. And it goes back to Nancy, the qualities that Nancy talked about. You know, are they willing to share what's on their mind in a professional way because there's a, a culture of trust and mutual sharing and respect? Or do they just say, okay, and, and you know, secondary people are famous for that. Okay, whatever you say, <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> Um, you know, and is, is there, um, do they seek advice from their principal? Like, I know I can go into my principal's office and ask them a question about instruction and get some pretty good advice because they know instruction. They know, um, you know, research. They know, and they may not know everything, but as a teacher, I have a trust and confidence in my leader that they know how to teach and that I can learn something from them. And so, you know, it's important for the principal if they don't have, first of all, the self-efficacy that you talked about. If I'm not confident that I can lead an instruction, that they take steps to learn how to do it, that they have an open mind and are learning, you know, seek to learn about their own effectiveness as opposed to trying to hide from it and to be transparent. There's some things I know, some things I don't know, and I'm going to learn what I don't know. It sounds like it's okay too that, you know, if you have this principle to give them a gift of your book and just say, hey, I thought you might want to read this, right? Like maybe that's a good, uh, you, you can be a little passive aggressive. Just, hey, I thought of this, I bought this book and I thought of you, so here you go. As we wrap up, as we wrap up the podcast, um, I want, what is one practical piece of advice that each of you can give listeners, whether they're teachers or leaders, um, what's a piece of practical advice you can give them when it comes to credibility? Nancy, could we start with you? I know you've offered, I mean, you've all offered so much already. And even if you have to reiterate something that you did say, like what's one practical takeaway that they can have when it comes to credibility that they can do today? I, I think that 
my advice would be, uh, especially for those who have been in a particular leadership role for a while, is to not rest on your laurels. Mm -hmm. In other words, as you interrogate your credibility, to not just consider things that you have done over the past two years, for example, but what have you done in the last 30 days? In other words, that there's an evergreen renewal to being able to invest in one's trustworthiness and competence and so on, and that it needs to occur on a regular basis. It's not sufficient that you did something wonderful seven months ago. What have you done in the last 30 days? I love I love that. You know, five years ago, I was really good. But, uh, so I appreciate that. Kathy, you should have seen me. <laughs> Wish you were there. <laughs> so I would say that no matter what leadership position a person is in, that you seek to understand the people that you work with. Resistance is not always, um, you know, it's not personal. Um, there's a route to resistance. And if there's, you know, is it understanding? Is it not, you know, I don't know how, I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know where I fit in, but always seeking to understand the people that you work with and then empathizing with them, whatever the human condition is. I mean, we're just you know, still involved, but still coming off of a pandemic. People are traumatized. Oh, kids, teachers, principals, I mean, everybody. And, you know, all that grace that we extended during the pandemic seems to have been forgotten. Mm. And I think we need to bring it back and we need to really work hard to see if we're thinking about new ideas, the first questions we need to ask is how will this impact our people? Mm -hmm. And will it impact some more than others? And what do we need to do to support? And what do we need to do to teach? And what do we need to do to seek feedback so that we can understand the human condition and all of this work and go slow to go fast? Well, thank you both, Nancy Fry and Kathy Lassiter. I mean, not only was this a research-based conversation, but it was a very practical one and everything in between. So uh, thank you for being a part of the Leaders Coaching Leaders podcast. Of course. Thank you for having us. Peter, thanks for this opportunity. Much appreciated. And uh, Kathy, just wonderful to be able to talk with you again uh, about leaders and about leader credibility. Same here, Nancy. <laughs>What a great session on leader credibility. A bunch of things come to mind, and I know you will have some to share. We might overlap, but the word that really stood out to me among the many was interrogate. Mm -hmm. It may not be one of the core traits that they mention in there, but I got I saw that thread in this idea of if you're going to be a credible leader, You've got to interrogate content. You've got to interrogate what people say. You've got to interrogate what people do. Like you have to be open and curious because you you have to you have to learn in order to gain that competence that's so essential to credibility. So I really just um, that that was a that was a standout for me. Again, among many things. Yeah, my you know my connection is I always go into a session whether it's a podcast, whether it's running a workshop, whether it's writing, whatever. And I did as a school leader, as a learner. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I was just very fortunate to have that opportunity to go in as a learner that I didn't feel like I, you know, I didn't get that pressure from the superintendent to go in and hammer. 
I could go in and be a learner and understand my entry point. And that is speaks so much to what Nancy has always talked about and Kathy talks about as well. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Nancy is that when I asked for common language and common understanding around credibility, you get it. Gave me. <laughs> You she get gave it. me what I needed. Yeah, yes. Um, and that's why their work is so good and so powerful. And and just um, what a salve for, for, for leaders who, mm. who just need some more guidance than we, we frankly offer them so often about how to do this work and how to do this work well. It's such a complicated and nuanced job. So, you know, having, you know, heroes like this in the field who are doing this work is really important. Yeah, definitely. It was just such a, I, you know, I know off air of what I said to Nancy and Kathy and you is that I felt like I had to strap on my seatbelt for this one because yeah. it was just, it went so fast. It did. The conversation just went so fast and flowed so well. So I just want to thank you. Always good to see you, but I want to thank all the listeners as well um, because, you know, this is, this is who we're doing the work for. So these podcasts and a discussion like this is just one of those Jim Knight refers to life-giving. It's one yes. of those life-giving conversations that you walk away with. So, so thank you for listening and always good to see you, Tanya. Always happy to learn with you and the guests. So again, until we, uh, till we meet next time, <laughs> have a great day, Peter. You too. Mm, bye-bye. <laughs>